podcast as part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to BigHeadsMedia.com for more great podcasts. Hello and welcome to today's episode of the 49ers Unrestricted Podcast. I'm Timmy Gibson here with my co-host, Daniel Bigelow. Daniel, how you doing this fine Friday morning? Good morning and happy Friday, Niners fans. It is a good Friday indeed, and I am well and excited to talk about this Cowboys game. Yeah, I was going to say it has been a great week because the 49ers absolutely dismantled the Cowboys, which is obviously super fun because it's the Cowboys and we like to beat them. But I think even even more fun is the fact that the, the Cowboys have been positioned as kind of the the cream of the crop of the NFC. It's been like, it's the Cowboys, it's the Eagles, and it's the Niners. And after this, it's like, well, I'm, I don't think it's the Cowboys because the 49ers made easy work of the Cowboys. It was never in doubt. The defense and the offense just could not be stopped. And we'll, we'll break it all down. But Daniel, how do you feel about that? I, I think the biggest takeaway is, well, the 49ers just dismantled the team that's supposed to be like the other team in the NFC besides the Eagles. And that's that's really what I've been taking away. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I there's so there's been conversation for years about or I mean every year there's conversation about who are the top teams. And last year a big part of the NFL conversation was that the AFC is way better than the NFC. And the top AFC teams were uh, the Chiefs, the Bills, the Dolphins were, excuse me, in conversation with that one. The Bengals last year, less in conversation this year. Um, but everybody was dogging the NFC and saying the AFC is so much better and it's not going to matter what a, uh, what NFC team gets to the Super Bowl because the AFC team is going to bulldoze them. And you, if you, on the other side of the league, people knew last year that the Niners and the Eagles were two of the top teams but I think the Cowboys and I can't remember last year if it, kind of towards the end of the year if there was a team that really was hanging with all three of those. Um, but everybody kept saying the Eagles, Niners, and Cowboys are all in the same boat. And I I obviously don't like many other teams that are at the Niners, and I have a hard time giving them the respect they deserve. But I could I could absolutely say, hey, the Eagles do deserve that respect. They're right with the Niners, and at at points in the season they were potentially ahead of the Niners. But never once did I think that the Cowboys were in the same uh, level, same tier as the Niners. And that's not just my hatred for Dallas coming out. That is, I don't believe in Dak Prescott being the solid quarterback that a lot of people think he is or in the rest of the team in it functioning together. And so I kept saying, like, no, they're not. They're not in the same tier. And this game finally, I think, showed everybody else and they kind of believe it as you're saying, like, okay, the Cowboys are not in that number one tier in the NFC. So that is my long-winded rant about can we get a good perspective on where we're supposed to rank, one, how high this Niners team is and how low in comparison this Cowboys team is. Yeah, and I, I, I think that's the question, right? Is is this, are the Cowboys not the real deal? Are they not the contender that we thought they were? Or are the 49ers just that good? Are they just in a tier of their own? 
And I kind of lean towards the latter. I kind of think the Niners are just that good, but obviously we we don't know for sure. And then, and we might not know really until until December third. And that's why do I say December third? That's when the 49ers play the Eagles. The Eagles are the only other undefeated team left in the NFL. They have not looked as dominant as they were last year, but they seem to be figuring things out. And hey, they are undefeated. So that's going to be the game. I'm that's the game I'm kind of circling on the calendar. But I kind of lean towards the Cowboys are a really good team, and the Niners are just even better. And that's that might be biased, but that's kind of how I feel. And obviously, this is just, I think, a really, really special 49ers season. This is maybe the most talented talented team we've we've seen with the 49ers. And it's absolutely the first time with the 49ers we've seen Kyle Shanahan truly trust his quarterback. And what he's been able to do with that trust is really, really cool. Sprinkle in the fact that Christian McCaffrey can do anything and might be the MVP through the first five weeks of the NFL season. And Kyle Shanahan is cooking on a level he's never cooked before. So I think this is just a really, really exciting season. And I'm really excited to see how far the Niners can take this. Absolutely. I mean, it, it's fun. I mean, the only two, like we talked about the narrative last year with kind of where some of the highest teams were ranked. And so it's really fun this year to look at, okay, there's two undefeated teams left. And those are the two NFC teams that were the top teams in the league uh, last year. And now everybody's saying the AFC teams, or they were saying last year, the AFC teams are far better than the NFC teams. And I understand it's early in the, early in the year to truly say, okay, your record defines your, your team's ability. But I, you look at all of these AFC teams and they've all had their own problems and hiccups. And the Niners and Eagles both seem to seem to be firing on all cylinders and have no true problems. Um, you know, I would say the Bills and the Dolphins and the Chiefs are the top three AFC teams right now, and all of them, I would say, yeah, they have some pretty notable areas of concern. You know, I would love to spend time running through them, but we're gonna stick to the Niners today. Um, but I, I just, I truly do think that this. This Niners team is is special. They've got it, and they are going to be rolling. And I'm curious to see what is it going to take to stop them. Um, I can only imagine it would be an injury or um, something that happens to themselves, not just a team beating them. Uh, but again, this is also a team that is so good at, at the the next man up mentality of hey, this next guy comes in and he's going to perform at that same level or at that same um, in that same role, he might not do it as exceptionally as the the guy before him did. I'm kind of thinking of George Kittle injury to Ross Dwelly stepping up, and it's like, okay, Ross Dwelly gets it done. He doesn't have as big of a day as Kittle does, but the guys around him support him. So, speaking of George Kittle, uh, four targets, three receptions, three for 67 touchdowns, yards, three touchdowns. It's like the Randy That's Moss amazing. game. Literally, I mean, I heard, I saw a mic'd up clip of George Kittle, and I I don't remember what he said, but it was it was, it was something of like, yeah, I only have three receptions, but they're pretty important receptions, and I'm excited about that. Um, but I mean, he led the team in receiving yards. He, uh, Brandon Ayuk had four receptions. Debo and Kittle each had three receptions, but 
Kittle was up there with 67 yards and three freaking touchdowns. So that was amazing. It was, was fun to so see special. to see Kittle arrive on the scene. And I I think we said beforehand this I was reading from from David Lombardi and he was talking about some things a little over my head but he was basically like look with the defensive scheme the Cowboys are running it really sets things up for Kittle to cook and so I wonder yeah. if like I'm not sure I expect Kittle to be catching touchdowns every week I think this team is just so talented that it's just a it's a game plan thing. It's who can Kyle Shanahan put in the position to succeed. And this week it was Kittle. Next week it might be Ayuk. I, I don't know. Cool. Like, Do you think this means the arrival of George Kittle? Or do you think this was more Kittle has obviously always been one of the best, tight, if not the best tight end in the NFL. And this was just the game where it made the most sense to really feature him. I absolutely think he is one of... I'd, I don't know if I can say this on this podcast, but can I just be honest? I, I do think that, well, and it's hard because I don't know how good of a blocker Travis Kelsey is, but I, I do believe that Travis Kelsey is a better tight end. I think Travis Kelsey could potentially go down as the best tight end in history, um, depending on how much longer he can keep doing it. He's up there, but George Kittle is, is a very unique tight end, and he is a, such a humble guy, and so he knows that how little he gets the ball sometimes means he might not look like one of the best tight ends in football on the stat sheet. Dude's one of the most incredible blockers. He fell in love with blocking, and that is so cool. Tight ends usually complain about blocking, I feel like. Um, but to, to answer your question, I, th I think that um, it makes a lot of sense to me that why he went off in such a game like this is because of the defensive scheme that the Dallas Cowboys had. And... You know, could it be different next week with a different scheme for a different team? Absolutely. What is our normal offensive scheme? I think it does It does look at, I think our coaches look at the defensive scheme of the other teams, and they figure out how to attack that best. And the things that usually make the most sense are using your running back that's also an incredible receiver and using him in all different kinds of ways. If you watch each Niner game and you watch Christian McCaffrey closely, and you see the kinds of plays and the styles of plays that he runs on a week-to-week -week basis, it's very different from week-to-week. -week. He does not run like the same play. I mean, obviously, there's diff there's standard running back plays that he'll run, but we're very tricky with our design, and the plays are different from week-to-week -week based on the defensive scheme, but it it's really just this one same guy who it's like, yeah, why would you not use this incredibly gifted, talented almost like freak of nature in the best way possible, Christian McCaffrey, who can do it all, you're going to use him to exploit their defensive scheme, and then it's going to make him scramble, and then you can get everybody else involved in as well. And so George Kittle was the Christian McCaffrey of this game where he is how we're going to destroy their scheme, and then we'll get some of these other guys involved. But George Kittle, was like this scheme was fit for him. So I, I absolutely agree with that point you're making. And I sadly do think that this it wasn't a uh, one-and-done kind of game, but I would not expect George Kittle to get two touchdowns next next week. Um, I think it's just too hard with how many incredible offensive weapons this team has. You can't predict who's going to get it. I guess you can predict Christian Caffrey is because he gets a touchdown every single week, and if not four of them. But the Niners are somewhat of a fantasy, fantasy football nightmare because you don't really know. You know Ayuk is receiver one, so you can always play him. You can obviously always play Christian McCaffrey. 
Brock Purdy is not going to be necessarily lights out fantasy wise because he only threw the ball 24 times, but he did have four, inter- four, four interceptions, excuse me, four touchdowns. So that's going to get you a lot of points. But yeah, I do. I, to summarize my long rant to your, your question, Timmy, I do think that it is very game specific. And I think that's an awesome point to make is that our offense a lot of time does operate off of their defensive scheme. And it's like, okay, we can see what they're working with. And let's just blow it up, which is awesome. So, Timmy, what what thoughts and comments do you have on on that topic of the, uh, the the Dallas defensive scheme or other teams' defensive schemes and how we attack it with all these weapons? Yeah, I mean, Dallas's defense is obviously excellent, right? I mean, they are so good. And so it's just, it's scheming things up. And you saw that. There was a lot of avoiding Micah Parsons. Secondary in Dallas is obviously a little... We have to come back to that. Yeah. The, the Micah Parsons. Also, did you see Micah Parsons come on his podcast after the game and say, yeah, I know they beat us, but we're just as good as them. It was like, Micah, come on, man. Yeah. Come on. He, he What I'm really impressed by, whether... I love when he's on the NFL draft. I, I actually really, for the most part, I haven't seen everything he does, but I really enjoy Micah Parsons. I do for too. For the sole reason, I think he's a pretty realist person. He's pretty honest. When I saw those comments, I was like, I think you have to do that. I think you have to say that because just I don't know, just for your own ego. But like Dak Prescott said, he did not see this coming. I'm like, how do you not see it coming? You're playing the best team in football. You have to at least wonder. And he said it was the most humbling game he's been a part of. But I do like Micah, and we'll come back to how we handled him. But continue with with that thought. Yeah, and I so I, I think you're right. This team is going to attack defenses however they need to, and that's what's crazy. They can. I mean, you saw Juszczyk involved. You see Ayuk. You see Debo still kind of coming back from injury, and then you just see Purdy making it work. And so I, I think this, and McCa- obviously McCaffrey getting involved every, every single step of the way. I just meant to highlight some of the more non-traditional ways we attack a defense, and, and Juszczyk probably jumps out more than anyone else in that regard. But I... This team is going to attack defenses however they can, and that's where Kyle Shanahan really, really excels. And I think what's different about this 49ers team than other 49ers teams is this team has always been able to attack defenses however they're weak, but they've never had maybe the best or a top five player at every offensive position to attack with. I mean, Brock Purdy is playing as the best quarterback in the league now. And I think you can go back and forth on whether he actually is or whether the scheme is that good. But McCaffrey, undoubtedly the best running back. Kittle, top two tight end. Brandon Ayuk and Debo Samuel are probably both top 10, top 15 receivers. Kyle Juszczyk, number one uh, fullback, undoubtedly. Trent Williams, best left tackle. And so what this team and what McCaffrey, I think, really tipped the scale on for this team is Kyle Shanahan has go, always been going to feature whatever player can attack what he sees as the weakness in a defense. He's always done that. But what's different is whichever player he decides to feature is the best at their position or is one of the truly elite players at their position. And so it's not just, hey, this defense is vulnerable to the running back in the passing game, so we're going to feature a lot of running back screen passes. It's this defense is really vulnerable to running back passes, so let's put the best pass-catching running back as the centerpiece of our game plan. And that's the difference. It's We've always been going to attack you wherever you're weak. Now we're going to attack you wherever you're weak 
with the best possible offensive weapon to attack you with. And so it's just the combination of Kyle Shanahan's elite ability to scheme with these really, really elite players that I think really changes things for this team going forward and is what's tipping the scale to have this team be a true, true juggernaut. Yeah, and I just I do wish that it, it they use more of, you know, like Kittle has some serious quiet games in the earlier part of the season in terms of receiving, and you know, pe- people who make comments of like, man, George Hill didn't even play today. It's like, are you watching him during run plays? As fun as Christian McCaffrey is to watch as he runs, find eighty five when he's lined up to block and watch him for a couple of plays. Because he's having the time of his life. He'll pancake a guy and start laughing. Like, George Kittle loves to block. So I don't feel too bad for him when he doesn't get the ball. Because I know he loves to block. But also, I want to see this guy get his touchdowns. I want to be confident starting him in fantasy football. But it's just so cool to see, like, some teams have to look at, some offenses have to look at the opposing team's defense to scheme around it. Because it's their only option. Like, they're, they don't feel like they can truly beat him. They have to figure out where the hole they can slide through is. The Niners don't even have to do that. It's just wise to do that. They could blow through any defense, even if they don't care about their scheme, because they have so many weapons. But why not just take the smarter route and let's figure out how to poke them where it hurts, right? Um, But I want to comment on Micah Parsons and how, because we're sticking with our offense right now, and then we'll move on in a second. But our offense handled... One of the best defensive players, and I would say the the most versatile defensive player in the NFL, and one of the most we've ever seen. It's it it seems like um, in Micah Parsons, and we handled him so very well. Just for reference, let me show you that Micah Parsons pulling up his defensive stats. He's down there. Where is he? He had four total tackles, one solo tackle. No tackles for a loss, no sacks, no interceptions, no pass deflex, no forced fumbles, no nothing. He was around a lot of plays, but we held him or avoided him long enough and well enough to where he really was not a huge factor in this game. Leighton Vander Esch was much more of a factor. He had 10 total tackles, four solo, and one for a loss. And that that's just because we chose which one are we going to go up against, and we'll take Landon uh, or Leighton Vander Esch over Micah Parsons. All day, every day, all season, right? So, um, Timmy, I actually I went back and I rewatched the entire game, but solely with the intent when we're on offense, if I just watched Micah Parsons the entire game, and he was frustrated because he wasn't around a lot of the plays, and we handled him so very well. Um, and so for him to get on his podcast and say I think we're right there with him, that I don't think I don't even think he believes that, but. What what are your thoughts on how how we handled Mark Micah Parsons in this game? Yeah, I mean it was it was perfect, right? And that's that's what you have to do with these these types of players. You you with someone like Micah Parsons, who's top three defender in the league, it's probably him, Miles Garrett, Nick Bosa, JJ Watt, probably in the conversation as well. But with someone you, like TJ him, Watt. you you can't just like you can't just beat them player on player, right? And and Trent Williams can probably beat him better than any offensive tackle in the league, and he absolutely did. But you have to combine that with schematically 
moving away from him, with keeping him out of the play. And that's exactly what we did. I mean, you had chip blocks. You had, obviously, Trent Williams handling him as only Trent Williams can. And then you just add in Kyle Shanahan making sure that the the play never really ran through Parsons' area of the field. And so it's just this combination of we have the best possible offensive tackle to stop someone like Parsons and Trent Williams and then you have the best offensive mind to make it so that even if he beats whoever's blocking him it doesn't really matter and so you combine those things and it's just a beautiful thing to watch of Kyle Shanahan just eliminating him from the conversation and it's going to be really interesting this weekend we're going to have the same sort of player with Miles Garrett on the Browns someone who's just a game wrecking force who lines up all over the defensive line so he's not just going to match up with Williams he's going to be coming at all sides at all times it's going to be really really fascinating to see what Kyle Shanahan schemes up to keep Miles Garrett out of the defensive, out of the offensive backfield. And I mean, this is, sorry, we're previewing, but you watched like the Tennessee Titans a couple weeks ago, literally had two tight ends, one play, lined up to just follow Garrett. Garrett ran to one side, they followed. Other side, followed. And so it's these kind of schematic decisions on top of the talent imbalance the 49ers typically have that can eliminate these elite defensive weapons. And so that's something I'm really looking forward to watching this weekend coming off of shutting down Parsons of how are we going to shut down Garrett as well. Yeah, I, I'm excited to see that. Um, let's. Uh, I mean, part of me is like we got to give him more credit because Purdy had four touchdowns, but he looked amazing. And I, I love the comment you made to start off the podcast that we saw Kyle Shanahan truly trust his quarterback, and that has to feel amazing for Kyle for one, um, because I don't think we've really seen that. I think. The last few seasons with Jimmy, I was always so confused because they seemed like bros. They seemed like good buddies. But I'm like, I don't think Kyle – well, I know Kyle doesn't trust Jimmy, at least in some aspects of the game. And we never saw that in gameplay. And part of me is like, I wonder if Jimmy, like, gets it too. But I never have seen Kyle trust a quarterback so much. And it just – that adds to this crazy – amazing saga that it is for Brock Purdy being the last pick in the draft coming in and then thriving and never losing a regular season game yet and then being the first quarterback that Kyle Shanahan totally trusts is a 23 year old who drives a Toyota Sequoia and still has a roommate yeah and who makes Burford who makes less money Brock Purdy makes less money this entire season than Deshaun Watson makes in a game that's crazy disgusting that's disgusting. And just, listeners, if you're confused on why they haven't already paid him more, the NFL actually can't uh, – there's so many rules around salaries. You'd be amazed if you were to look it up and dive into this world of salaries because Brock Purdy's still on his rookie contract, and it's too early to extend him. Like, they they cannot extend him even if they wanted to. Um, so just if you're confused on why he's still getting paid so little, it's because he was the last pick of the draft, so he didn't get much of a signing bonus, if any. And it's too early to extend him. So um, it was nice to see Jordan Mason. He led the team in rushing yards, and he looked good while doing it. I'm sure he was playing a uh, Cowboys B-team defense, but to come in there and get 10 rushing attempts and 69 yards total in a touchdown, is that's, that's what we'd love to see from a backup running back. Yeah. Agreed. It was fun to see see Mason set up, step up. You obviously saw some TDP involvement as well, which is always good to see. So a fun, 
a fun performance there from the from the backfield. I think more and more, I just I'm not expecting to really see Elijah Mitchell this season the way I was originally. He just hasn't really been healthy, hasn't really been out there. I expect to see more and more of Mason and probably some TDP as well. But this offense runs through Christian McCaffrey, you know. It absolutely does, and yes, I'm. Gosh, I wish Elijah Elijah Mitchell the best. He actually did not, or he was limited in practice yesterday and on Thursday, so I don't know what his status is for Sunday. Um, I do. I love him. I love watching him run. But my goodness, I also love watching Jordan Mason run. Um, and listeners, if you don't know, Jordan Mason was an undrafted free agent, so kind of Raheem Mostert 2.0. Um, and I just don't get how we strike gold so often with getting a guy like Raheem Mostert who bounced around, never ever made it anywhere really. Just a special teams guy. We can he came here. And then explodes for us, and now we followed Mike McDaniel's in Miami, and he is killing it. So it's just cool how we do that. And now we have Jordan Mason. Um, I'm yeah, excited I mean, about some Ronnie of it, Bell. Some of it is scheme, right? Like obviously these are talented players, but some of it is just Kyle Shanahan's offensive scheme, and Mike Shanahan's before him helps running backs produce at elite levels. And now I'm not and saying I'm sure that like, Mike guys McDaniel's like, doing the same thing. Yeah, and I'm not saying a guy like Raheem Mostert isn't an elite running back, but sometimes these guys really, really benefit from the scheme. And so when you put like a truly elite generational talent like McCaffrey in there, that's when things really take off, you know? Absolutely. Um, couple of, a couple of highlights just real quick on the defense. I know we're, we're kind of jumping all over, but Fred Warner had an incredible game with eight total tackles, five solo. One was for a loss. He had a sack, an interception, a pass deflection, and a forced fumble. He was everywhere. His his interception was amazing. Um, had a huge pass deflection and forced a fumble on Tony Pollard. So he was just all over this stat sheet. So I would say the defensive player of the game was by far Fred Warner. Oren Burks was in there. He had an interception and a pass deflection as well. Dre Greenlaw had a, had a sack. So two linebackers getting a sack here. Um, a lot of these guys had solo tackles. We're used to seeing so many total tackles, especially for this Niners team, uh, or uh, group tackles, excuse me, because they all flock to the ball so very well, and they're all surrounding it, and they don't just let one guy get the tackle. Um, but it was so very cool to see how many of them were just wrapping up quickly, how many how many of these guys got sacks. Nick Bosa got his first somewhat sack. I mean, he was only credited for half a sack with Eric Armstead. Timmy and I are both like, yeah. That's pretty much Bosa. Um, Looked like a Bosa sack to me. That's for sure. Yeah, I would agree. Um, my boy, Talanoa Hufunga. I'll do a very, very quick Hufunga Kawabunga because he only had one tackle. That's all All he had on the stat sheet was that. Um, I think they – I mean, I was a little confused. I didn't see a lot of him during the game. I think – I don't think they necessarily tried to avoid him. I just think they didn't have a lot going. And so it was a quiet game for him because the ball never really got past a lot of the linebackers. So if you're to look at this, there weren't a lot of receiving yards in general. Um, but the longest, CeeDee Lamb had a 29-yard play. Pollard had a 26. Ferguson had 20. And Turpin had 26. And that was for a touchdown. So there was only a number, a very small number of plays that even had a, some yards on him for Hufunga to be involved. Um, so not a lot on this this segment for him. Um, 
Timmy, do you even have anything for nitpicking dominance? No, this was dominance. I don't. I don't either. This week yeah, it's commending either. dominance. There's not a nitpick to be had. That was an incredible game. Yeah, I got nothing. We'll commend uh, dominance this week. Good job, 49ers. Golf clap. I was prepared to. So I'm trying to remember our bold predictions because I did not write them down. I have mine in my head. I remember them. It was George Kittle touchdown. It was I predicted two Nick Bosa sacks, so that's where I messed up. But I also predicted, and I did not. This is just a, a, a bold one that the Niners would win by at least two touchdowns. Um, and they, boy, howdy, did they do that? Um, and George Kittle absolutely <laughs> destroyed my prediction by getting three touchdowns. So I, I had two out of three. So that felt pretty good about that. Um, but if I was to have a nitpicking dominance, honestly, it's just a joke is more touchdowns. Get more, get more guys touchdowns. Yeah, that's just it. more that's points. All you could possibly say. Uh, it's a bummer that the 49ers streak of scoring exactly 30 points every game has ended. So that's probably my uh, my nitpick. Yeah. Um, hey, the, the only two notable injuries to keep in mind for Sunday is that uh, Dre Greenlaw did not practice Thursday, nursing a hamstring injury. I, I have not seen any reports on it, but I believe that is precautionary. If his hamstrings bother him, I think they're just going to have him sit out on Thursday, and I, I believe he'll be good to go Sunday. I don't think I've heard enough noise about it for it to really be in question, but I am not a doctor, so I could be wrong. Yeah. And then Elijah Mitchell was limited capacity practice on Thursday, so he might be good to go, but I don't know if he's really going to play or not. He did not play at all. Actually, I think he was inactive on, on Sunday is why, but um, – I don't think they'll necessarily need him to go against the uh, against the Browns. I think McCaffrey will be just fine, and I think Mason is the primary backup. They'll continue to let Elijah Mitchell rest. Yeah, ag- agreed. Uh, uh, any any new additions to the team? Yes, the 49ers did trade. They actually did this before the Cowboys game, but he hasn't played for the Niners yet. Did make a trade to bring in defensive end edge rusher Randy Gregory from the Denver Broncos. Gregory was previously on the Cowboys, a guy who struggled with some off-the-field stuff that, that's kept him from playing, but when he has played, has been a, a very, very good edge rusher. Was really, really good for the Cowboys a couple years ago. Obviously, we talk about this all the time. Slot him in under Chris Kosurek, the 49ers D-line coach, and anybody can produce. So I, I think Randy Gregory could I'm, – I'm actually all for it. I, I think he could be the next kind of edge rusher reclamation project to the 49ers, and I'm excited to slot him into this D-line and see if he can uh, create some havoc for us. Yeah, we do a really good job of getting guys who have some potential and turning, it, turning them into more. I, I think Tim and I were talking about this when I saw this, and – Full transparency, I texted Timmy and I said, I'm pretty sure verbatim I said, but what if I don't want Randy Gregory? <laughs> um, that's more so I think he was a higher draft pedigree, and I just don't think he's played to that, maybe a couple of games, but he's been suspended quite a few many times, and um, I think the Niners is a great place for him to go because this is a team that focuses on football and, and keeping their stuff together. Um so I'm, I'm curious to see how this goes, but I think that he's got some good potential for our D-line coach to work with here. Yeah, should be should be fun. Should we transition things over to previewing the 49ers' upcoming matchup against the Browns? Heck yeah, we should. Um, first of all, I barely know who their quarterback is going to be because Deshaun Watson is out. Um, last week, 
Did you guys know that Timmy loves? I can't even say his name right. Timmy, what's his name? Oh, I didn't say I loved him. I said I'm very familiar with Browns <laughs> backup <laughs> quarterback Dorian Thompson Robinson, former of the UCLA Bruins. Uh, a fun player who okay. does just enough to make you think you can win before throwing it all away. That's my experience with him say... as the UCLA quarterback. But he actually well, he started for the Browns last week with Deshaun Watson out. The Browns apparently agree with me because they've brought in P.J. Walker from their practice squad. P.J. Walker, who I think was on the Carolina Panthers, has had some moments in like the XFL, AFL, some of those alternative football leagues, and now is going to be starting for the Browns. I'm uh, Yeah, he, he's higher on the depth chart. I feel bad for P.J. Walker. He's going to get destroyed by this 49ers defense. He's going to get smothered. It's going to be fun to watch. I am not worried about the Browns' offense at all with Walker in there. Obviously, Kevin Stefanski is a pretty good head coach, but I, I just don't expect anything to happen. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it's a trap game, but I don't. these 49ers seem a little trap game proof to me with how just professional they've been executing so far. Where I worry about a bit more is the Browns' defense. It's an elite unit. Jim Schwartz is absolutely co- coaching up a phenomenal defense. Obviously, Miles Garrett is one of the truly elite defensive weapons in the NFL. So I'm more worried about this defense than this offense. If maybe it turns into a bit of a slugfest, but again, the 49ers have been unstoppable. I just don't see how they lose this game. But Daniel, I don't know. How do you feel going in? Oh, I absolutely don't know how we lose this game. But again, um, you can never, and I don't think these guys do, but you can never go into a, a professional football game thinking, oh, we got it locked in the bag. Um, you can never, never go in thinking that. And as I said, I don't think these guys do. Um, but yeah, I, I don't even I don't even want to say I'm I'm not worried whatsoever just for the sake of not going in thinking it's not a professional football game, but I am not worried about their offense in the slightest if PJ Walker is there. I do think that um, so Elijah Moore. I'm so Timmy went to UCLA and my wife went to Ole Miss and I went to Liberty University and I don't care about them so I'm an Ole Miss fan. Not a big um, Malik Elijah Willis guy, Miss. huh? Well, I went online, so <laughs> I don't really care about the school much. Um, but, uh, yeah, I actually do like Malik Willis. I wish him the best. I just – if he hasn't taken over for Ryan Tannehill yet, that tells you what you need to know. Um, but I'm not worried about the Browns' offense whatsoever. I don't think P.J. Walker stepping in up the practice squad is going to come in and, and be lights out. Um, I do think Dak Prescott is better than P.J. Walker even a little bit. And Dak sucked last week. And it wasn't just he sucked. It was um, we we destroyed him. Um, we, we prevented him from being good as well. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I, don't, I don't see Amari Cooper or Elijah Moore being a big factors in this game. Um, is it Jerome Ford? Is that his name? They're now starting running back? Yes. I believe so, right? Yeah, that would be Jerome um, Ford. He's been... You know, he was he was a so I'm only really aware of his play on fantasy. I picked him up uh, after beloved Nick Chubb's injury, and I think I started him one week and it went, went great. And after that, he hasn't done much. Um, I think he's very touchdown dependent. He has not had a lot of yards other than his his first starting game. So I'm not too worried about him if he's not kind of putting numbers up against other teams that he's played. He certainly isn't against the Niners. Um, I do envision the Browns having the ball a lot. I think our offense is going to work pretty quickly through their defense. Um, oh, let me 
I want to look up their depth chart and see if there's any names that we need to be aware of other than Miles Garrett. So we kind of talked about him already. Denzel um, Ward in I, the secondary is a an elite player back there for sure. Yeah, and then I'm pretty sure Greg Newsom the second their other corner. I think he's he's of yeah very good very good corners on the Browns for sure. I really liked uh, when I was watching some college football the year of LS, LSU winning with Grant Delpit in there. Uh, he was a pretty good safety. I think he's had some some moments of success and moments of improvement on the the Browns as their safety. Um, yeah, they do have some good names, man. Um, Dalvin Tomlinson has been a great defensive tackle throughout the years. He might be up there in age. Um, Zadarius Smith will be opposite Miles Garrett, so that's a guy we got to watch out for. Um, so, and it, and it has been a good defense. Like the Browns have done well in weeks past because of their defense, um, and, and they're coming off a bye. And I think a team coming off a bye is just they're well rested. Um, in week four, they lost to the Ravens twenty-eight to three. And I believe Deshaun Watson was healthy for that game. So I'm not too worried about their offense. As I said, the prior week, they beat the the Titans 27-3. So a very opposite side where uh, week three, they didn't allow a touchdown and they got 27 points. In week four, they could not get a touchdown and they allowed 28 points. So I think it, that, that kind of honestly describes what the Browns are to me in a, in a large sense. And that's without. <clears throat> this is without Deshaun Watson as well. And it's not like he's been lights out or has been crazy himself. So I'm trying to give a, I'm trying to summarize my thought with, a, hey, this is kind of what to look for, look look forward to, um, in their team. But I, I truly think that the Niners are going to be working through. Well, I guess if we're looking at all these guys on defense, maybe it is us who have the ball more. I do not see their offense being able to hold on to the ball very much. Um, I don't see a lot of first downs for those for that Browns team. I think this 49ers defense is going to come out rolling and stop them pretty quick. T- Timmy, any thoughts on after we look at some of those names on their defense? Does that does that scare you at all? No, I'm I'm with you. I'm not super worried about this team. Obviously, Miles Garrett is is a little scary, but so was Michael Parsons, and I mean he wasn't a problem. So I I'm not worried yeah. about it. I mean it might it there. I'm sure the defense will have some moments, but even if they stop us, this offense isn't going to be able to put up many points. So I'm just not I'm not concerned. And maybe I'm wrong, but I just I think the four. I don't think this is going to be a close game. I don't think it's going to be a very good game. I think the 49ers are going to walk walk away with this. I like it. Yeah, I think I think we've got it covered for this Browns game. Um, uh, is it a 10 a.m. game? Yes, it is. 10 a.m. Pacific. Okay, so it's an early one. Um, Timmy, do we wrap up with some bold predictions? Let's make some bold predictions. Do you remember what yours was last week? I'm writing them down this time. I think I said George Kittle touchdown. Well, you would be correct. I'm going with that. Let's go with that's what I said. <laughs> Good. I like it. Um, I'll go first just because I've got mine. I'll give you a, a literal second to think. And I'm trying to get bolder and bolder with these each week. Maybe, and maybe this isn't. I don't know. I think the Niners defense allows one touchdown. Only one. I'm not really considering field goals. I'm not saying that their score is going to be seven. But I think that this defense only allows one touchdown. Yeah, I think that's... 
probably a good one. I'm going with a prediction on the defensive side of the ball as well. I'm going to say Nick Bosa, two sacks. No half sacks. I'm going with two full sacks for Nick Bosa. P.J. Walker is not going to know what hit him when the 49ers line up out there. I think Nick Bosa is going to be all over the quarterback. I think he's going to walk away with two sacks. And he's going to get his first full sack of the season and the second. Or maybe not for, I think he did have his sack already. But he's going to get two sacks on P.J. Walker, who was on the practice squad until this week. It's probably not a great time to ask this question, but do you think Bosa holding out for so long, so late into uh, uh, camp, uh, training camp, has like he's he's had a slow start because this last week, week five, was his first even half sack, right? Yeah, I mean, I think uh, I I think Bosa has had a great start to the season, right? Like I I think he's had a great start by all. All measurable comparisons except his own, right? Like compared to most defensive edge rushers, he's been he's been quite good. Compared to Nick Bosa, he hasn't been as good as we know he can be. So I I agree with you. I I think, and it's it's hard, right? Like it's one of those things where he's been really good, and obviously he was in great shape. But you, there's no substitute for game reps, and so I do think. Yep that that has slowed him down just a little bit. And I, I expect that, yeah, I, I think it had an effect. But I think he has been getting better and better every week, and I think he's going to be an absolute juggernaut this week against the uh, against the Browns. Yeah, he, uh, he, he's been so close so many times as well. Um, yeah, I think that, I think that it, seeing a big game from him would be amazing. Um, yeah, I uh, I can't imagine if if the Browns didn't score a touchdown on the Ravens, who they do have a good defense, I'll give them that. Um, if they didn't score a touchdown on the Ravens with Deshaun Watson, I don't see how they're really going to do very well without Deshaun Watson against arguably the best defense. <laughs> That's best how I feel. That's how I feel. But PJ Walker is one of those quarterbacks who like sometimes has moments. You know what I mean? Like there's those backup. Shifty, man. There's those like backup quarterbacks who like flash. Obviously not on the level of like a Ryan Fitzpatrick. He's his own thing. But PJ Walker has like had those flashes before. So like maybe something happens. But I just I don't see it with this little this little time to repair. I just I think it's gonna be I think it's gonna be a massacre. <laughs> the 49, I think the 49ers defense of the Browns offense is gonna be an absolute massacre this week. So we have a lot to look forward to, Niners fans. Ready for this big Sunday game? Yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be fun. As always, listeners, thanks for tuning in. Enjoy this 49ers season. Enjoy this weekend, and stay safe out there, everyone. <laughs>